Hello, everyone. You are listening to The Ironworks Podcast. I am your host, Robert Maddox, and with me is hostess Shayna Land. Hi, everybody. Great to have you here on the show with us and uh, listening to this. This is a very big show because we are talking about an elephant in the room. But before we jump into that, I wanted to just say this is our second podcast. Uh, If you don't know why we exist, let me tell you, we are here because we want to help everyone prepare their hearts for worship. Mm -hmm. So coming Sunday, it's just all of a sudden I wake up, I get out of bed and I just go to church, but is my heart ready to worship God? And how do I get my heart ready? This podcast is here for that. Because as Augustine said, that our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. So we worship him because he's worthy, but we also worship him because when we delight in him, he is most glorified. So that's that's the goal of this podcast. We're going to reflect on the sermon we heard last week, and I recommend if you have not listened to it, it's a must. It's so well done. And our pastor, Pastor Darren, handles the material so well. I'm thankful that I'm at a church that can handle this text in such a way as to honor God and to really have the heart to help people move forward in life with hope and just peace that God is for us and not against us. So saying all that, the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is, comes from Mark 10, verses 1 through 12. There's some antagonists who really want to see Jesus tank, want to see his campaign fail, want to see him out of ministry, really want to see him taken out, maybe even assassinated. So they propose a question that they're hoping that he is going to uh, whiff on and it's going to create just tremendous drama for, for Jesus. The, the question is uh, that they propose to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus goes through... A lot of things that you can listen to in the sermon, but the elephant is in verse 10 through 12, where Jesus says, And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Actually, I thought it was pretty apropos the way Darren began the sermon. Darren ended the passage by saying, This is the gospel of the Lord. And we, the congregation, responded with, Praise be to you, O Christ. And he joked and said that was one of the weaker responses that he's heard lately. And he said, I, I can understand. When I first read this, it didn't feel like good news, you know, the gospel good news. But after thinking about it, you know, God's word serves to correct us and to bring us into just greater joy and peace and knowledge of him. After reflection, it is good news. So yeah, it is an elephant in the room. It's a pretty sensitive topic, especially in our culture. So as we dive into this, uh, we want to play a clip from the message. And it's it's really a great one where Darren basically gives the secret to uh, a successful marriage. Most important, single most important quality to have in order to have a marriage that doesn't end in divorce. You know what it is? It's a soft heart. I cannot tell you how common it is. Uh, Most of the time, folks uh, wait to come to the pastor until a lot of water is under the bridge. Folks come to, Pastor, we need to meet with you. And I say, oh yeah, what's going on? Well, for the last 20 years, in those cases, right, when there's been 20 years of sin and hardness and grudges and complaints, it is very difficult. It is very difficult to intervene in those cases. Why? Answer? Because over 20 years of sin and grudges and problems, the heart gets pretty hard. It gets pretty hard. And that is, uh, according to this passage, that is what is behind 
the issue of uh, marriages that do end in divorce primarily. And so if you're here and you, you, know, you are married or you, you want to be married or um, you're in that place, I can tell you that one of the things this passage would, would plead with you so strongly to cultivate is a heart that's soft, a heart that's quick to forgive, a heart that doesn't want to wait 20 years to go see someone else for help, right? A heart that says, look, let's, just, let's go do this before we, we become more hardened than we already are. That, when Darren was about to say, here's the secret of marriage, I was like, really? <laughs> it sounds kind of cliche, right? But then he brought us back to the word. And he said, according to this scripture, this is the secret to a good marriage, you know, that you have a soft heart. And this is the text that it says, it, you know, when Jesus is answering the question, he points back all the way to the Old Testament. And he says, well, you know, what did Moses command you in answering the question? He, it says, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send his wife away. But Jesus clarifies that and he says, the reason for that is because of your hardness of heart. Mm-hmm. He wrote you this commandment. He uses the phrase, uh, Darren says, in some ways sin was legalized. That was mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I never thought about that before. Right. He says, um, if you look at verse five, right, it says, Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment, right? And so Darren made a few observations about that. He says, sin was in a sense legalized because yeah, hearts were hardened. God was regulating the product of hard hearts. And he says, just because of our human nature, it was like a, like a measure he had to take. That's kind of where we want to focus uh, right now is on the hard hearts. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about preparing our hearts for worship, mm-hmm. this topic can really harden our hearts because in this is packed, not just legalism and trying to get people, manipulate people with the law, but we also see here that there might be, you know, Jesus laying out mm-hmm. a design for marriage. And, the, and Darren has said, this is the most controversial thing that we could be talking about because mm-hmm. we're talking about is divorce, what are the implications of that? And then also is marriage just between a man and a woman or, mm-hmm. or not? With all this packed in there, the key part is where is our heart in the matter? Is it hard or is it soft? Shana, you had some great, you know, I think anyone who left this sermon just, you know, really needed time to reflect. And you mm-hmm. you came up with some great questions, some great thoughts. Just kind of help us uh, dive into this a little bit at a time. It might be kind of mosaic. It's not going to be linear. <laughs> this is a lot of stuff here. But what, mm-hmm. you know, what is uh, provoked you? Yeah. So Darren used this phrase, soft heart. And before we get too far, I thought it would be interesting to kind of define that, uh, what it looks like to have a soft heart in very contexts. So certainly marriage, that's what the passage speaks to. But we could make further applications, uh, parenting, friendship, workplace. I'm trying to think uh, what Darren, like the specific comments he made about having a soft heart. I think it lends itself to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, being, I think he talked about being quick to forgive. I think it also being having a soft heart, what comes to mind is pride, you know, mm-hmm. and just uh, being able to say you were wrong and being able to level with your spouse. I think it lends itself to vulnerability as well, intimacy. And humility, he mentioned. Yeah, he mentions humility, right? Yeah, I think, you know, like you pointed out in your notes that we see hardness of heart a lot in the scripture, but not soft 
what is a soft heart? Yes. It sparked in my mind in the Old Testament how God introduces himself, which is kind of like his business card. It's, you know, uh, I am slow to anger Mm -hmm. and abounding in love. Mm -hmm. And that just is like his tagline. It comes out in a lot of different places in the Old Testament. Slow to anger, abounding in love. You know, what does that look like in the New Testament? Mm -hmm. A soft heart. I think that we see, we do, we don't really hear the phrase soft heart, but we can make inferences about it from the New Testament. We do, I think it's really interesting that God does, through the scriptures, spell out hardness of heart and he uses other phrases like having a hardened heart uh, or being stiff-necked or any you know in the old testament with the israelites but i think we see a lot of side-by-side comparisons like the prodigal son we see this father having a very soft heart toward his son but then we see the brother having a really hard heart toward his brother and i think i don't it's kind of only obliquely related, but the parable of the sower, that's kind of has to do with the condition condition. of your heart. It doesn't mention having a soft heart, but it mentions having like soil that's fertile, like for for the word of God. So I guess we're asking you, the audience right now to examine your heart Mm -hmm. and ask yourself, is your heart hard or is your heart soft? Maybe somewhere in the middle in regards to your spouse, Mm -hmm. in regards to the definition of marriage. Mm Mm-hmm in regards to the, even the idea of same sex marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, where is your heart in relation to all these things? And what is Jesus trying to get to uh, about these issues? Take a second, process this. Where is your heart? Okay, as I examine my heart, Shana, uh, I'm going to admit that, that, uh, my, my heart fluctuates. So one moment <laughs> I go from, you know, I am so open, so humble, just, ah, mm-hmm. I can really empathize to <laughs> totally closed off mm-hmm. and angry and frustrated. And, you know, and I'm, I'm like, well, how did my heart make such a 180 in, mm-hmm. in, in that split second? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's where my heart is. Yeah. I can relate to that. I think, I think anyone who's honest with themselves, you know, cause hardness of heart is, sin, you know, and it's, Darren has preached about this in the past where when we, we eventually can harden our own hearts by not like obeying God and not repenting of sin, you know? So I think we're all familiar with having a hard heart because we're all sinners, but I can certainly identify people in my life where I struggle to have a soft heart toward. Um, and then I can see, I see other people for some reason where I'm just like, you know, like completely open arms. There's nothing they could do that would ever put them outside of my love. You know, nothing is a deal breaker, but yeah, I could definitely, I definitely see where I have hardness in my heart. And it also makes me think of, of people who have had a soft heart toward me and what a huge impact that has had on me. He'd probably, you know, cringe, but I talk about my husband, Justin, is so soft-hearted toward me. Uh, we've been married about 12 years. It'll be this, this June, it'll be 12 years. And this, my mind immediately went to this when Darren was preaching about having a soft heart. Can, uh, when I'm in like, an, like, an, like a heightened emotional state and I feel uh, wronged, I will sometimes, especially with, with Justin, I'll just dig my heels in and I'm just like, no, like I'm just stubborn and it doesn't matter what he says. I'm mad at him and I feel justified, even if I'm completely wrong, which is like most of the time. I can remember we got into this horrible fight and we, you know, did what no Christian is supposed to do. We went to bed angry. And I remember when we woke up the next morning and I felt 
I, I felt, you know, God's gentle reproach of me. And, but at the same time, my pride was like so in the way and I didn't want to apologize, but I went out and Justin had made breakfast. Justin made this huge breakfast and he just very softly said to me, we don't have to talk about what we fought about last night. We can, if you want to, but we can just start fresh. And I just was so moved because hmm. he, you know, Justin is a person who, you know, he's a person like anybody else, but at least toward me, he often, pride is not something that gets in the way. He will readily admit that he's wrong about something. I, I, I'm really blessed in that I have a spouse that I can see a soft heart at work. You know, as we think about marriages that are struggling and, you know, probably some in our church are contemplating, how do I get out of this marriage? Um, Darren said, some people come to him and things have been progressively getting worse for 20 years. And then only at the breaking point do they come to the office and say, hey, pastor, can you help us? You know, so the heart has been so hardened at that point. And how do you come back from that? You know, and, and as you referred to, that's why the scripture says, don't go to bed angry, because that is going to perpetuate the heart being hardened. That, I'm, I, I'm thankful for uh, moments like that where mm-hmm. we can just realize, hey, we, let's get a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, breakfast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Shana, you know, I think is, you know, we're hope dealers here. We're trying mm-hmm. to be, and uh, we have to ask the question is where's the hope? Where's the line of hope in this mm-hmm. uh, that, that Christ is saying for those who are wondering where's the hope mm-hmm. uh, and is the hope in that my marriage will get back together? People, I mean, that's what I would be feeling. Is there hope for my marriage? So yeah, I think that there is hope. And the passage talks about having a hardened heart, right? And it, it mentions how God did this as a result of their hardness of heart. It says, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But we see in the New Testament where, you know, God makes new commandments, right? And he mentions how he's going to give us a new heart, right? And so with anything else, whether it's marriage or a sin we're struggling with, we have to pray. We have to pray that God would change our hearts. And sometimes we get relief and help right away. And sometimes it's something we struggle with for years and years and years, right? Um, God is the one, in a mysterious way, God is the one who grants repentance, you know, so we have to seek him for that. For repentance to happen, I think we need to look back, and Jesus does this, he looks back beyond the point of Moses. So Moses was in an environment where people's hearts were hardened, mm-hmm. as is in the day of Jesus. People's hearts are hardened. But he goes back even further because he says, in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't so. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, the design for this was that there would be a man and a woman, and they would leave their families, and they would become one, that they mm-hmm. would become one flesh. And this complete commitment and, and, and Darren handled this in a kind of a humorous way is that when we say our vows, you know, we're not giving our vows that are present focused, like, mm-hmm. hey, I love you. I'm infatu- infatuated with you and, and you're my everything. You mm-hmm. know, you're a snowflake. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's more future focused mm-hmm. that uh, I will be with you forever, richer or poorer, mm-hmm. you know, death uh, doesn't matter. I will Mm-hmm. always be with you, even when it's hard. So Jesus is saying that in the, in the way back in the beginning, the way it was designed was, was intentional. So now the trouble is, where are our hearts? Do we believe that design is still relevant? Do we believe mm-hmm. it's still good? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do we think it's out of date and mm-hmm. that this, this scripture really is not helpful for us because it doesn't understand our current mm-hmm. context? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's tempting for us as 
I'm doing air quotes right now, modern people, right, to look at the Bible and say, well, this is antiquated, right? They don't understand my modern situation. Um, but that's an important thing, too, that, you know, if we believe that all scripture is God-breathed and it's um, fitting for teaching and for preaching and for living, then we need to check ourselves and say, wait a minute, as modern as I am, is the Bible, this comes down to an authority issue, is the Bible truly God's word, right? Is it infallible in its original context and original translation? And what does that mean? And I think of, you know, the the analogy that, well, well, someone might say, you know what, it doesn't work. Marriage doesn't work. Half Mm -hmm. of marriages fail. So, The design is broken, but it kind of comes to this analogy of a, of a sixth grade orchestra. And <laughs> just because they play Mozart poorly doesn't mm-hmm. mean the music is bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the design of something can be perfect and then we just don't play it well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we make the string screech or just miss the note. So th- I think for me, and I'm examining my own heart, is to take these tough words that Jesus says mm-hmm. and give it give real attention and weight to it and say, what if I lived that way? Mm-hmm. What if it's true? Should mm-hmm. I try it out? That I think is the humility that Jesus is looking for. Test my words and mm-hmm. see if they don't prove true. Yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about costly grace, right? How God's grace for us is free. It's free to us, but it cost him everything. And so, yeah, salvation is is free. But in a sense, when we become Christians, it costs us everything. You know, our our whole lives are reoriented. Yeah, my, my way is, is probably wrong and his way is right. 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 And, and the repentance is to say his design is right and I've been doing it contrary to that design. Yeah. So we, I feel like we've talked a lot about how how God gives us a soft heart. I feel like that's kind of come up tangentially. I think some other things we could talk about, the challenge of having a soft heart even in the midst of tough love. This is a question that comes up for me a lot as a parent. I just have so many questions about how do I teach honoros what's right and what's wrong and be absolutely unyielding in that, um, but also do it in a way where she understands the gospel and that nothing she ever does would ever put her outside of my love for her. Um, <laughs> even make noise during a podcast. Um, <laughs> um, so, Surprise guest. <laughs> yeah. So Rob, you've been a, a dad for a little bit longer than me. Uh, what does this look like, having a soft heart even in the midst of tough love? Yeah, I just posted on Facebook today that I, I need to learn to be, a, you know, in gaming terms, I need to be learn to be a healer <laughs> because I'm a tank. You know, I just... <laughs> I get angry. I go in. I want to fight. I, I think I'm fighting the problem, but I, <laughs> I, I end up like starting to whoop up on my kid. Not not physically, but I, right. my words or my the way my posture or my my heart becomes. They they can tell right away. They're like, mm. "You're different," <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I'm like, "Why am I?" Because they see me relaxed and calm, and then these moments come, and they just see me as a a tank, a brick wall, mm. and I I have to really examine my heart. And mm-hmm. to see if it's for them or against them mm-hmm. in that moment. And, I, and I'm and i usually going about it the wrong way because I'm emotionally mm-hmm. stirred up and I'm not thinking through. I feel like I fail a lot of times in the, in the battle, in the moment. But I can go back and say, hey, you know, here was what I was really wanting to do, which is fight for you and not at you. What you're perceiving. I just had this conversation with one of my kids the other day. I said, you're perceiving me so different because I was walking alongside of you. Mm-hmm. And we were 
just doing life together, but you began to make some bad decisions. So then I had to go and stand in front of you Mm -hmm. and block you. Mm -hmm. And you didn't like that. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to block you from bad decisions and the bad things that were going to happen to you if, you know, if you kept on making those bad decisions Mm -hmm. and you saw me as against you Mm -hmm. when really I was just trying to save you. Mm -hmm. So I felt like my heart, Hey, one victory. (laughs) I felt like my heart in that moment was in the right spot. That metaphor just helped me perceive what I was really trying to do for, for that kid. Yeah. And that we see that model in Christ. We see Christ trying to absorb, you know, the, the things that really we do have coming to us, you know, and we really do deserve trouble, but Christ stands in front of us, right, and absorbs that. This is the, where the challenge is for me. We, we do see in the Old Testament, for example, and we see it in the New Testament, we see Jesus cleansing the temple and we see him like calling people Satan, like literally, you know, so we don't ever see Jesus mince words, so to speak. So I don't, I don't think that we as Christians, we're not compromising our soft heart by um, just being honest, you know, direct, right, direct, you know, speaking the truth and love firmly, right, (laughs) firmly, you know, sometimes I'm just so focused on like, this behavior needs to stop. And it's so destructive. And it's so this, and I kind of miss like the greater picture of, I don't know, I'm not, I don't think I'm out of the woods yet. (laughs) So I don't know if I know what the bigger picture is. But sometimes I just feel like I miss it. I miss the mark. Yeah, I'd love to attach a resource to this, but um, in talking about some of these issues of mm-hmm. bonding and um, conflict, you know, there's conflict avoidance, there's conflict aggressive, mm-hmm. and how we deal with these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm dealing with a one of my kids, and I I see them respond to what I'm doing, and I can see their heart hardening right at the moment. Their mm-hmm. eyes begin to change, mm-hmm. their body posture begins to change. If they're avoidant, they'll begin to stop talking, and then they'll begin to fade away. Mm-hmm. And I know I've lost them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. As teenagers, especially. And so then I'm like, man, I'm losing this battle. Their heart's getting hard. How do I get it soft again? What do I need to do in that moment to mm-hmm. to bring us back into that open conversation where we both can right. um, heal and help? each other yeah Yeah. so what do you do with a toddler you got Anna Rose here she's beyond a toddler now she's five she's in kindergarten she's she's defiant isn't she she's a little (laughs) rascal (laughs) (laughs) she is (laughs) um I was just thinking that like as you were talking about with teenagers I noticed like with with her being as young as she is so often I I forget I have in some ways like a, a some tools in my toolkit that are really handy. Like if she's kind of losing her mind and I'm becoming frustrated, often all I have to do is just pick her up and just hold her and just give her a hug and just talk softly to her and say, listen, you, what you're doing right now, you really can't be doing, you know, and you're being a distraction or you're being destructive or, you know, just speaking softly to her. If I just pick like just physical touch, I feel like is so soothing to younger children. And even sometimes like with my teenagers at work, uh, I, you know, I have to, obviously there's very important boundaries uh, that I have to be respectful of. But so I, I notice like physical touch is such a power. Like sometimes like if, if a student has their head down on their desk, I'll just kind of come along and put my hand on top of their head and I'll just talk like into their ear and say, are you okay? Like kind of like, it's like a mom move, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like just putting your hand on their head or just like gently on their shoulder you know, and certainly like, as you get to know kids, like there are obviously kids that would not respond well to that where physical touch would be a trigger. But I feel like as, as like a lot of modern teachers have walked away from that kind of move because, you know, it's a complicated world we live in. Um, but I find it to be 
it, it's a it's a move that works for me, you know. So yeah. I think physical touch is a really important one. And so there's a lot of practical things, you know, is, is learning about bonding and mm-hmm. conflict resolution and um, some things you mentioned there. Mm-hmm. I think Darren summed up the the sermon as we mm-hmm. before we went to the table to to take uh, communion. Mm-hmm. He summed up what what really is happening here in marriage mm-hmm. is this is the best relationship you'll probably ever be in. It's also the hardest you'll ever be in. Mm-hmm. Similarly with parenting, it's some of the greatest uh, relationships, but some of the most difficult. But ultimately, the marriage is, is designed to help us see God's love for mm-hmm. us, as mm-hmm. it says that Christ, marriage represents Christ in the church. And so we are, and when we are parents, we get to see and feel the heart of a father, the heart mm-hmm. of a, a mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, this is what he's trying to reveal to us through marriage. If we can have that perspective, it's not 50, 50, it's Christ gave his hundred percent, his mm-hmm. blood, his body for us to love us. So do you have any closing thoughts for us, uh, Shana, in, as we uh, keep that perspective in mind? Well, I think something something about Christ and the church, that analogy that's really helpful, is that Christ gave everything for the church. Christ pursues the church endlessly. I mean, unto death, he pursued the church. He pursues each one of us every single day. And when I think about marriage, I just think of the phrase, keep coming back keep coming back. They say that, uh, they say that in, in the rooms, like for 12 step programs, keep coming back, you know? Mm. And, uh, and I think that that's what Christ does for us. He keeps coming back. He keeps pursuing us, you know, our whole lives. And I see that even in my own relationship, you know, where Justin just continually pursues me. He's just constantly inviting me (laughs) into every blessed thing he's doing. Um, whether it's like board gaming or, you know, some other hobby or miniature painting or just spending time. He just, I, I, genuinely feel like he would spend every waking moment with me if he could. It's been immensely healing and blessing, a huge blessing to me. So I think some closing thoughts, just having a soft heart toward our spouse, um, thinking of it in terms of the gospel and how God just seeks us continually and he doesn't give up on us. So you as the listener, you know, you're, this is midweek, you're hearing this and you're thinking, should I go to church on Sunday? (laughs) You know, or should I, you know, this is just too hard to handle consider this to have the open heart enough to have this conversation with Jesus even if you don't like what he said even if it offends you or mm-hmm. it goes against your values it goes against what you believe continue to talk with Jesus not as these Pharisees were uh, approaching him with you know antagonism and trying to prove to the world that Jesus is is a fake but trying to understand Jesus and trying to hear his heart trying to understand what he believed what he understood, uh, and just come back on Sunday, as, as Shane was saying, come back, come back again to have that conversation mm-hmm. with God to say, God, what are you doing in this world? What is your design? And if I'm off, please change me to see what I'm supposed to see. Just consider that, listeners, if you would. And uh, We'd love to hear from you, so please send all of your emails to Pastor Darren. <laughs> Comments, <laughs> concerns, criticisms, whatever. <laughs> no, feel free to, to email me as well, Rob Maddox or Shana, and mm-hmm. love to talk with you mm-hmm. uh, some more. So mm-hmm. we appreciate your thoughts as well. Thank you for Thank listening. You.